Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 73 of Intuitive Bites. Today I'm chatting with Alyssa Rumsey, who you may know from Instagram as Alyssa Rumsey RD, and we are talking about her new book, Unapologetic Eating. So in this episode, we get into what unapologetic eating is. Uh, we also go into talking about unapologetic living and how that ties in. Um, Alyssa's new book, I've gotten a chance to look at it myself. It's so awesome. It not only goes into so much detail on healing your relationship to food, but also talks about how these struggles that we have around food are a mirror to much deeper issues that we have going on underneath. So I'm very, very excited to share that with you um, and, and have her tell you more about this book that's that's being released very soon. Um, the other thing I want to let you know before we dive into this episode is that I have completely revamped my new introduction to intuitive eating course. Um, it's being released on February 13th. However, you can pre-order it now and get a little bit off of that, that final price. Um, so it's $44 to, to pre-order it now. The best way to do that is to go to the link in my bio on Instagram and you'll see one of the first links is to pre-order that intro to intuitive eating course. That course is perfect if you're not ready to jump into one of my group coaching programs or my individual coaching. It's a really good way to kind of dip your toes in, learn more about the principles of intuitive eating and what I love about this course so much is that I've included an entire section on common misconceptions and sticking points on your intuitive eating journey. I see over and over again clients coming to me for one-on-one -on -one coaching who are stuck in these particular ways um, and it's really hard for them to kind of get past that. So I'm sharing all of those details and obviously how to get past that. Um, so Again, go to the link in my bio on Instagram if you want to pre-order that course and get a few dollars off that final price. Um, and that's all I have for you guys. So let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Alyssa. All right, Alyssa, we're good to go. Um, so I had you on the podcast. I can't believe it was a couple of years ago. You mentioned that to me. Um, but I want you to introduce yourself again for those who didn't hear your episode. So can you just like, yeah, ex explain kind of a little bit about what you do, uh, who you are, all that. Sure, sure. Well, I am happy to be back. And yeah, it's wild that it was, I think it was like <laughs> two years ago. And I feel like so much has changed. Um, personally and professionally in two years. So yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, I often use the title nutrition therapist because I feel like that speaks a little bit better to the, the work that I do. And I have a virtual private practice where I work with people one-on-one -on -one, um, to help them heal their relationship with food and their bodies and move away from diet culture and you know support their health and however feels best for them. Um, and in addition to that, I also have uh, a couple of online programs um, and I 
have a couple of uh, dietitians also in my practice who do some work in some other specialty areas that I don't have, which has been really great to be able to expand in that way over the last few years. That's so cool. How many dietitians do you now have in your practice? So I have three dietitians in my practice and yeah, we all practice from the same philosophy. Um, but some of them have more experience with like clinical eating disorders. Some have more specialty in like gut health. Um, we have like women's health, PCOS. So yeah, kind of the, uh, from a weight inclusive perspective, like not focusing on weight as this measurement of health, um, but really how to incorporate that with, with different other conditions or disease states. That's really cool. I feel like I hear, or I've kind of heard it floating around from folks before that like, sometimes they feel like when they're choosing a dietitian to work with or something like that, they're either choosing someone who's specialized in intuitive eating and, you know, health at every size and this kind of thing, or, you know, someone who does that like medical nutrition therapy. And I feel like that's hopefully there's more options, right. For people who are, are kind of blending those things because they absolutely can be blended, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, I always say like intuitive eating can be, you know, overlaid with an away inclusive approach can be overlaid with any kind of health condition. Also, um, you know, performance. I was like talking about this the other day, like sports nutrition, like, it goes with, with everything. And yeah, it doesn't have to be this like one or the other. And I think that's, what's so great. And it fits together so well. And it's just such a more compassionate and just sustainable way to be able to make health changes. Exactly. I love that. Um, so I want to dive into, uh, what we're here to chat a little bit more about today, which is this book that you're releasing in just a few weeks. Um, when this episode releases, um, called unapologetic eating, make peace with food and transform your life. Um, so can you just share like just broadly a little bit about like what called you to kind of work on this and just like, gen- you know, generally maybe like what unapologetic eating really means to you? Sure. Sure. So, you know, I'd always kind of like had like, Oh, I'll write a book someday, like on my like someday list. And then, um, I actually just had a publisher reach out to me who was interested, had seen my writing and was like, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? And it's so funny because what I had pitched him on that, on that call, like not prepared at anything was like really what this book turned out to be. And I think that just speaks to like, this was something inside of me that I'd obviously been like subconsciously sort of sitting with, but hadn't like put it out. And so really my goal with this book, you know, there's um, so many amazing books in the the weight inclusive space, anti-diet space, intuitive eating space, um, and more and more coming out, which is so wonderful to see. Um, But really where I wanted to sit was this place where, you know, helping people see how um, in the process of healing your relationship to food and working on, um, you know, healing a relationship with your body and reconnecting to your body, how it's so much more than just that. Like food really serves as this entry point, um, to doing this really much deeper, more introspective work. Um, and this was, I mean, it's basically like what I go through with my clients because this is what I see with my clients. And when I started, when I transitioned from like a weight centric approach to a weight inclusive approach and started using the intuitive eating framework, I was like, oh yeah, I'm like helping people with their relationship to food. And it was very quickly evident to me, as I think it is to all of us that go through this process that yes, we worked on their relationship to food, right? Like, yeah, they can eat a hamburger or like eat ice cream and not feel guilty, 
oh my gosh, it was so much more than that. And it just got to these like much deeper rooted things. Um, and cause food is really this like symptom of a problem. It's not actually the problem. And so really helping people unpack that and unpack all the ways in which, you know, their experiences in their body have shaped them and their experiences of living in a, you know, fat phobic society has shaped them. Um, and then just seeing the amazing things that opened up in their life beyond just the like not having guilt with food or finding food freedom. Like there's all these other things from just getting, you know, more trust in themselves with what they wanted to do with their life, you know, more trust with their life decisions, setting boundaries, just really feeling more like content and confident um, and just powerful, like in themselves, you know, with food, but with all these other things too in their lives. Yeah. I feel like you're like totally speaking to my own experience. Like I've totally seen that. And like you mentioned how there's been so much growth for you in the past couple of years, personally and professionally. And like, I totally see that within myself as well, even just in like how, since I started again, intuitive eating, all of this, like several years back now, um, how I've continued to like grow and expand into like I don't really want to do hobbies that are related to food and movement at all. Like I want to like start doing other things. Like it's just so cool to like continue to see that unfold for myself. Um, so I don't know if that, yeah. that resonates with you. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think this is really this idea that as we like liberate ourselves from these like shoulds around food, really what we're doing, because what's underneath that is all these other shoulds from society that manifests as food. Um, and these like supposed tos. So really what we're doing is liberating ourselves from all these other things that have been put on us. Um, and really kind of doing that deep, often very hard work to figure out like who we are underneath all of that. Um, and in terms of, you know, the title, the unapologetic eating, um, really with that, you know, what that means to me is just this, uh, being able to, to eat what you want, how you want, uh, when you want, without that guilt or without feeling ashamed or without feeling like, oh, I need to justify or explain myself. Um, but it's also bigger than that, right? So it's like what I just said. It's really this idea of like unapologetic eating being like getting back to the roots of who you were um, and who you are before society kind of started you know, you started getting these messages from society about telling you who you should be. Um, and so really the book, uh, it's unapologetic eating, but really, and this is what one of my earlier reviewers said, she's like, you know, this is really like unapologetic living. So it walks, so it's not just food, probably about half of it is food. Mm -hmm. Half of it has nothing to do with food. And it's all these other pieces, which was actually really fun to write. That's so cool. And I definitely noticed that too. Um, yeah, just like, first of all, your book, like there's so much good stuff in there and like, there's so many different areas. And like you said, it's not just about the food, which I think is, is really cool, but obviously it all ties back, right? Cause the food stuff got messed up and all this other stuff. Um, I wanted to read a quick quote that I feel like perfectly ties in with, uh, fr from your book that perfectly ties in with what we just spent this time talking about. Um, so the quote is, I quickly learned that food behaviors were the symptom, not the problem. And the relationship that really needed mending was the one people had with themselves. Yeah. So good. Love yeah. that. Um, yeah, that's really cool. So I want to like, shift a little bit to just an, a section of the book that um, I thought that was really interesting. So basically you kind of outlined, you know, this idea that like what we consider to be flaws in our physical 
appearance are not actually flaws, right? Um, so I just want to hear like you speak to that a little bit more. You kind of went into like details in the book of like different things that we we see as flaws. Yeah. So that was a really fun part and fascinating part to research. Uh, so yeah, that's, I think you're speaking to the, in chapter one, I, you know, I'm speaking about really the idea with that chapter is how it's not about the food. Um, so what you just said there, that quote you just read and really unpacking all of the, the reasons why we, we diet or why we try to control ourselves around food or try to control our bodies. Um, and yeah, digging into the history of the, basically like the beauty and body ideals that exist in, in Western society. Um, and it's so fascinating because, and I think a book that speaks that literally is just about this topic that I quote in that chapter is Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth. Mm -hmm. Um, really about just how all of these things that we think are flaws. And then on the other hand, that we think are like the you know, ideals of like, oh, this is how I should look. This is what's beautiful. This is what is attractive. All of those were things that like someone at some point made up, <laughs> um, usually as a, a way to try to control groups of people. So when it comes to women in particular, you know, we live in this patriarchal society where men always have and still have like hold most of the power and most of, you know, the heads of these different like systems and structures. And um, it does not behoove them to keep that power if women, you know, start to kind of try to come after it. And so, and Naomi Wolf talks about this so beautifully in, <clears throat> excuse me, in her book about, you know, dieting and kind of chasing these different beauty ideals and spending time on them is a really big distractor and does not allow women to stand in their power. Um, so yeah, so I outline, you know, all of these things, everything from like cellulite to, you know, white teeth to gray hair, um, you know, body hair, you know, the cellulite one I think is so fascinating. And this was something I learned a couple of years ago about, you know, cellulite is something I remember having this client who was like, even if like, I didn't live in this society, I still wouldn't think cellulite was attractive. And I was like, really? Because like, almost 90% of women have cellulite, no matter what their body size, what their weight, they have cellulite. Mm -hmm. And these are natural dimples, right? That are a result of just how our connective tissue and our fat is structured in um, bodies that are producing more estrogen. Um, and it was always just considered like natural skin, right? Nowadays, it's considered this like flaw and this thing like, oh, I need to like cream or work out or whatever, this thing to be fixed. But like, up until honestly, just a couple of decades ago, it was something, it was just like, that's natural skin. Like that's what women's skin looks like. Right. Um, and then, so it came about in the sixties, the term cellulite, like that word was first referenced in a Vogue magazine and, um, you know, introduced to, to people as like, oh, this is actually like a problem and this is something to fix. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, consumerism and capitalism, it was like, oh, now we have this product and we have like industry selling these products. So that's what we see with a lot of things. I mean, gray hair, that was another one. This was something I, you know, learned while researching the book of, you know, gray hair, again, was always like a natural thing. Um, but, and I also think it's important with a lot of these to look at the double standard that can exist between men and women, right? Like yep. gray hair is like, men are like silver foxes and are like more attractive, distinguished. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then women, it's like from a very young age, you get this message of like, no, like you need to age gracefully. And that does not include gray hair and right. you, know, you have to cover it up. Um, 
And yeah. And then so really the big uptick in women dyeing their hair and covering their grays was when Clairol, which is like the hair coloring company that we know, um, was already in, uh, in existence, but they, in an effort to get more clients, right. To get more people, consumers buying their product to make more money, they decided to appeal to, you know, I think this like deep human anxiety around getting old and and dying, Um, but appealing to women's anxieties about this. And they ran advertisements that literally said, like, I think I put this in quotes in the book. Mm -hmm. These advertisements literally said that gray hairs were causing you to be old and quote, not fun. And that, you know, they could only then have friends from like the older set and they could only wear subdued colors. And then like those ads came out and then like, clearly women are like, well, wait, like, I don't want to be not fun. I don't want to be, you know, this. Um, So yeah, all of these things, you know, white teeth, um, you know, now we have like the, the Botox and the fillers and this like flawless skin, you know, all of these things were things that were like, we don't. I say in the book, like, we don't pop out of the womb with this idea of that, like, wrinkles are ugly, cellulite is bad. Like, no, these are things that we are taught. Right. It's kind of wild, like, how you were saying, I mean, way back, like, that 90% of women, like, have cellulite. A lot of these things, you know, gray hair, whatever, like, they're completely naturally occurring, like, human, like, it's just what you're going to most likely experience. And then these companies come in and say, those are bad. Here's a product to fix it. Like, when you look at it, when you step back, it's like, okay, this is very obvious what's going on here. And I don't want to, I don't want to contribute. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, totally. I really do think that this like zooming out and looking at the bigger picture and looking at how it's not like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Um, and and really just having a choice, right? Because sure, like you can still know all this and still get Botox or still dye your hair or still wear makeup or whatever it is. And that's totally fine. But I think it's, you know, coming back to like, well, two things. One, like it being more of a choice um, and like, okay, yeah, I enjoy partaking in this or I like doing this thing or whatever it is. Um, but also, I also think we do, you know, as you and I, like two thin white women sitting here, like have to recognize too that um, like power and privilege and respect. And even like, you know, I dug into this research in the book, like higher salaries, like you get paid more when you conform to certain standards, women only, not men. Uh, like there was a study that showed that women wow. who wear more makeup and are more quote, well-groomed make significantly more money. Um, and then of course, grooming does not come into consideration for men's salaries. Like there was no difference. Um, wow. so, you know, and certainly for women of color, um, you know, for fat folks, for, uh, you know, queer folks, like who have other levels of marginalization, marginalized identities, um, they, you know, often feel like they have to conform to this standard in order to be treated with respect. Um, And so that is so not right. But I do think we have to acknowledge that, like, you know, I talk in the book about my experiment with like giving up makeup and like not dyeing my grays and letting my wrinkles you know, just come out and not get Botox that I was considering getting. Um, But also like acknowledging like that is a privilege that I can do that and then not be treated any differently, like not have it affect my income or, you know, any of that. So I do think that, you know, it can really, really help to zoom out and look at this bigger picture, but also this isn't to like shame anybody who does take 
take part in this too. Yeah. And I feel like you do a really good job in the book of like, you know, identifying those moments where you're like, okay, there's, there's privilege here. There's, it's easier to step away from this stuff for some people. You even talk about in the very beginning about, um, your Instagram picture where you like posted the picture of you eating. And you mentioned that like, it was much like you didn't get nasty comments for, for showing pictures of you just like unapologetically eating essentially. Um, whereas other folks do receive really nasty comments about just showing themselves eating food, particularly women. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And I feel like you really, you, you're really always good to, you know, kind of identify that, um, that privilege. Um, so Alyssa, I, I'm curious to hear from you as we kind of wrap up here, what you feel like you want a major takeaway from your book to be for folks that, that read it. This is such a good question. I would say the, the thing that I hope people take away is, you know, this book is not about me telling you you should or should not do something or should or should not believe something. Like I really want this to be a book of just like unpacking for yourself and, um, you know, kind of unlearning these different things that have been maybe put on you and then figuring out for yourself, like where you want to go from here. So I really hope that people, what they can take away with it is just more trust in themselves, more trust in their intuition, both with eating, but with other pieces too. Um, and just really figuring out like, okay, who am I? What do I want? Um, and just having a lot more, um, you know, strength and ability to, to really like stand in their power. I love that. Awesome. Can you share with people both where they can find you and your work? And then also just a few details about the book release and all that good stuff. Definitely. So my website uh, is alyssarumsey.com and there's more information there about working with me and the different programs I offer. Um, also, my Instagram is a great place to connect as I am on there daily. And that is Alyssa Rumsey RD. And then yes, the book Unapologetic Eating, it comes out February 9th. It is available for pre-order. Um, and if you pre-order it, you actually get it on the day of release, um, which is great. So you can get that. That's anywhere Unapologetic Eating is available. Basically anywhere books are sold at this point, but alyssarumsey.com slash book has more information about it and links to where you can purchase. Perfect. I will make sure to share that with everyone. Thank you again, Alyssa, for, for coming on and chatting today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right, guys, that is a wrap on episode 73 with Alyssa Rumsey. If you want to hear more from her, you can definitely check her out on Instagram at Alyssa Rumsey RD. Um, and you can find more information there or on her website uh, about her new book, Unapologetic Eating. And if you're interested in my revamped introduction to intuitive eating course, you can go to my uh, bio on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at the intuitive underscore RD. And you can easily just get the pre-order for my introduction to intuitive eating course there. Finally, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while now, um, and it's been helpful to you, I would really, really appreciate you leaving a rating or review on iTunes. Um, obviously, it helps it, this podcast get out to more people and get this message out to more people. Um, so if you've been listening and really enjoying what you're hearing, please take a moment to do that. All right, guys, I hope you have a good rest of your week and hopefully I'll talk to you soon.